the sexual politics of Twilight are just insanity. <laughs> it would have been a lot better if Alice had just done the whole theme song and I could have just put that for the theme song. <laughs> And welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I am Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? Well, I've already had about seven of these cream sodas, so I'm doing great. <laughs> Today, we are here to talk about revolutionary girl Utena and Neon Genesis Evangelion, two series that are very near and dear to both the hearts of Alice and I. And also the hearts of our guests, assuming that both of them do have hearts. The jury's still out on that one. Our guests for tonight are Gio from Empty Movement and Sen from the Empty Movement Discord, here to help us talk about Revolutionary Girl Utena and Neon Genesis Evangelion. How you guys doing tonight? Hello! Dandy. Well, this is definitely not the second time we have tried to record this. 100% the first time did not lose time. a two-hour recording that we did earlier. As the great philosophers, um, the BC Boys once said, no sleep till Brooklyn. Dude. <laughs> and our metaphorical Brooklyn for the night is discussing Revolutionary Girl Utena and Neon Genesis Evangelion. This time around, since we have another shot at this, um, it might be interesting to talk about the whole personal history with Evangelion real quick. I'm glad that you said that because that was literally what I was about to say is <laughs> in our notes here for the episode that Sin helpfully compiled for us. There is a note here about uh, each host's personal history with Evangelion, and that was not something that we actually got into in the previous non-recording that occurred. So I think that would be a good place to start. Alice, do you want to start with your history with Evangelion? Um, sure. So I first watched Evangelion in high school. Um, I heard about it as being this really weird anime and being really artsy and and sort of foreboding blah 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 and that it was very much my brand because my favorite anime at the time was wolf's rain and i was really big into like the the kinds of anime that happened in the 90s that are super art house which is shocking i know because i'm on a fucking utina podcast you being a oh. high school wolf's rain fan is the least surprising thing i've ever heard about you right like it's 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 like they made it for me <laughs> i oh god okay but i did not actually finish the series in high school the first time around which is relevant because i really saw myself in shinshi in a lot of ways not have seen myself had i finished the show or seen the movies um having seen the movies now i definitely do not have that sort of relation to shinji that i used to but for a little while, I did. Specifically, the whole... 
feeling of alienation from other people and isolation and feeling like something is wrong with you. And the hedgehog's big, dilemma. Yeah, it's, it's a hedgehog's dilemma. I like the hedgehog's dilemma is one of my favorite concepts in um, pop philosophy, which if you, um, for those of you who are more Utsuna related, by the way, because this is going to come up again. We will try to do our best to explain yeah. things from Evangelion, but we are also, all four of us, massively up our own asses and may forget <laughs> to explain things at some point. And I'm sorry for that, but we'll do our best. So if we do forget about it and we don't talk about it, look up the Hedgehog's Dilemma um, because it's very important. And also I like talking about it. Do you want to just quickly explain the Hedgehog's Dilemma? Because that should only you take know, about a sentence. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. The idea, the Hedgehog's Dilemma is a kind of a, it's a little story that's sort of a thought experiment. And the idea is you have these two hedgehogs in a burrow and it's winter. It's very cold and they need warmth to survive. The only source of warmth is each other, but the closer they come together, the more their quills will stick each other and hurt. So their only ch chance to survive is to hurt each other. And the point of it is that it's a picture of how humans work, where we need or want and need to be close and to have contact and know each other, but doing so is inherently hurt. It sure the fuck is. Um, yeah. I like to think of it as kind of you're not gonna you're not necessarily gonna care much if a stranger says something rude to you, but if someone you care about and trust if they see something that's awful to you, you're gonna you're gonna take that to heart way more. Yeah, it's and um it's it's pretty old. Um, I don't remember where it's come from originally, but I thought I would mention that actually in real life, um, hedgehogs don't work that way. Oh, is that is that true? Yeah, um, it's it, we've we've just we've since discovered that hedgehogs do not work that way, and actually they can cuddle together without hurting each other, Aww. which is a little bit of hope for you there. Um, humans are definitely not like that, so don't get your hopes up. No, but I'm I feel better about hedgehogs from right? hearing this. What about you? When did you first watch um, Eva? Well, I first watched Evangelion because of you actually this was before we were going to do the podcast in any sense like you just happened to mention how important Evangelion was to you in a conversation that we had had and I had been hearing about Evangelion for like most of my life as a person that engages with like anime and Japanese media I had heard that Evangelion was one of these like iconic series and I knew that it had shown on Toonami when I was younger but that I never watched it and when you mentioned how important it was to you I was like I was kind of interested to see what all the fuss was about and that was when I sort of just watched through the whole series and I distinctly remember getting to the end of the series and <laughs> sending you a message that was just <laughs> What the fuck? What did I just watch? And why? I had totally forgotten about this. I was so... I I had sort of the... I, I well, We may get into this, but I had sort of the typical response to the last two episodes of Ava, which was, what the fuck did I just watch and why? And I was kind of angry about it because I didn't really... I hadn't really comprehended it at that point. I was just like, 
what the fuck happened to this anime that I was watching. And over the years, I have come to get a better understanding of the last two episodes and the movie and all of the related media. But at the time when I watched it at first, I was like, what the fuck did I just put myself through and why did it end like that? And it's sort of been a bug in the back of my mind since then because, like, very much like Utena, Evangelion was something that presented to me as something that I could not understand upon first watching, and thus I desperately wanted to understand. And <laughs> I've come to a better understanding of Utena through doing this podcast, but I'm not doing a podcast about Evangelion, so that's something that I've still had to work through myself. But... Yeah, they. It, it was a similar problem where I was like, "What the fuck just happened to me?" <laughs> but yeah, it, it it is entirely your fault that I watched Evangelion because I probably wouldn't have gotten as into it if I had not known that you considered it an, an anime that was important to you. And I was like, "Huh, I gotta see what all the fuss is about." <laughs> but what about you guys, Sen and Geo? And you go, you go first. Okay, sure. So I started watching um when I was eighteen years old, so about a year ago. And Aww, this was this was after the club. <laughs> and um, yeah. I actually think that Evangelion was more helpful to me than Utena was. Just mm-hmm. realizing how relationships work, how the self works, and all that. So yeah. There isn't much to it, honestly, but after after Evangelion, I was just like, what is this? What is what is going on? Much like you, Panda. Yeah. Did you, you watched it before, or after you had seen uh, Utena? Yeah, yeah. At first, I was like, oh, this is a pale imitation. But then I thought about it a bit more. And I was like, oh, this is how this links to this. And it all, it all just made sense. What about you, Gia? Uh, I I watched Evangelion in 1996, seven. So how how was your experience watching Evangelion for the first time? I I quite I, my experience was paying thirty five dollars for two episodes on one VHS at a time. Oh boy, Jesus. there's that. I meant more um, the emotional journey, <laughs> but the physical journey is pretty interesting too. Um, I I liked Evangelion. <clears throat> quite a bit at that age i was i was totally down for all of the pseudo deep you know grim dark give me all the weird shit decided i was not catholic so this was totally my jam as far as just you know showing the man i mean business by watching this weird anime from japan about how catholic is is backfiring i can imagine that seeing all of the like Christian adjacent imagery in Evangelion would be somewhat satisfying awesome. for someone who yeah. had just turned away from the church. Exactly. So I liked it for that, and I liked it because it was clearly like deep and, and deep. deep. <laughs> Fourteen. Um, so I enjoyed it for a lot, like a lot of that. Then I found Utena like shortly after, and 
did Utena for a bazillion years. He visited Evangelion later and appreciated it a lot more. Utena, like, I kind of cut my teeth on deep shit with Evangelion, but I didn't really dig into it a whole lot. I didn't go into the fandom. I didn't do any of that. It was like, oh, this is cool. And then Utena happened and it was like, no, this is cooler. So I went this way. And like tore apart Utena, became obsessed with it. And a few years later, I revisited Evangelion and I think I appreciated it more because I already had that lens of having torn Utena limb from limb. Yeah, and I you, wasn't as fascinated with it. Do you think that your yeah. experience with Utena affected your appreciation for Evangelion when you watched it for the second time? It absolutely did. I think, I think in part because after watching Utena, I... I had been sufficiently trained to not trust what I was seeing as relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like with Utena, like it trains you not to think every single thing you think you see is relevant. Like I was, like we said before in the last podcast, you know, when Evangelion shows you a lance or a new robot or a weird white gooey thing with weird legs at the bottom of nerve headquarters. You're like, Oh, this is relevant. And I'm going to find out what this is in the, in due course of the story. Utna, by the time you see Akio flip over a fucking car, you already know nothing. You just saw is relevant. Um, Akio's not important. Or rather whether or not it happened in the real world is irrelevant. And whether it's going to have any bearing on what the story actually is about or does. So I enjoyed Evangelion more through that lens by not being like, okay, this is a show about robots that do this, this, and this, and this. So when I rewatched Evangelion, I rewatched it the way that we watch Utena, where it's like, okay, and there's crap over here. There's a fucking robot over here. But what's the actual story about? Or once I watched it that way, and it was much more about Shinji's awful personal journey and Asuka's awful personal journey and journey and so on and so forth. So I ended up appreciating it more once I had seen Utena and taught to watch it a certain way, I guess. So Yeah, that's sort of... Uh... like dovetails into uh our discussion of the comparisons between like the evangelion fan base and the utina fan base and how uh the like the difference in like curative versus transformative fiction and the ways that each respective fandom uses those to interact with the source material yeah very much so and like it w- the, that just comes straight to like what kept becoming a huge like at the end of the day Ikwan and, and Eva is the dude one and they're both heavily gendered heavily binary in how they depict their world and what their message is and formative because most you know female oriented media often is and one is curative because most male oriented is which is something and that we got into it. in our fanfic episode about how the ah. the differences in the gender makeup of the fandom itself tend to lean towards whether or not fandom is going to latch on to curative or transformative works when it comes to mm-hmm. like meta or fan fiction or et cetera. And both fandoms have have been like that like since the very beginning. Like most of the Utina fandom is female. Most of the AVF fandom is male. And and when when you switch aisles, 
it becomes kind of like a thing. Like, like girls in the Ava fandom are like, I'm going to like, you You have to put up with me here. Take my Kaoshin and, and guys that are in the Utina fandom have this sort of like, I'm man enough to like this show. Suck it. Yeah, you have that, uh, the bit about I'm man enough to like Utina written in our notes. And yeah. I was actually really fascinated by that. And we didn't really get into it in the prior recording. So I was yeah. wondering if maybe we could delve into that a little more it uh and this speaks to my own experience but it does remind me a bit of uh my time in the my little pony fandom (laughs) i'm literally having vietnam flashbacks right now please don't do this to me but yeah i i am really interested in this idea of men in the utina fandom having to justify their like of utina even though like utina is something that breeds a a female fan base just sort of by the nature of what it is especially because it's sort of a i mean it is a shoujo on the face of it it's also very critical of shoujo as a genre from like my exposure with like a like a Western fan base in Ut- with Utina and just anime in a broader sense, especially like back then, back in its heyday, is it like a too macho for this or like the people like guys that were into it had to be like contrarian like i'm so macho i can handle this and it's not a challenge to my sexuality and you'd be I, like, i'm well, familiar you with the type that? the type uh... because that's the type that has to sit through utina and watch this girly show for girls where guys are naked and rolling around on beds with each other and still be like no but i'm a straight man I'm secure in my sexuality. If you're a gay man, then then welcome to the party. You know, there's content for you here, gay gentlemen. So, Alice, isn't this like a really big thing in the My Little Pony fandom? Yes, I'll I'll be brief. Like, I have joked before that there were only two kind of guys that, oh, sorry, three kind of guys that jumped on the MLP thing. The ones who were there because it was a joke the ones who were there who genuinely liked it but had to be toxic because they felt like if they weren't then they would lose some vital part of themselves and the ones who were secretly girls all along yeah like there's this sort of like there's this bizarre toxic understanding of the self that you get with a lot of guys um who end up liking media that's more focused on women and girls that they feel like they have to beat their chests and yell about it to justify liking it there's always i think definitely been that in the utina fandom and something like it exists the other way around like girls Mm -hmm. that are in the evangelion fandom often have to be that much more aggressive about it or that much more about it any woman in a male dominated fan base feels the pressure to be a cool girl Mm -hmm. which means proving in this case that you're totally down to like hang out and and commiserate with others on how cool that super sexy statue of ray being injured is that was me in high school so i like i get that You're attempting to transcend gender, but you're still falling into these gender traps, which involve, like, 
being the cool girl and you're you're being masculine but only to the extent that it is acceptable by men and like if you're liking my little pony as a joke you have this defense of irony where you're like yeah i like this thing but like only because it's so funny that i like it It's like two sides well, of a very similar coin. I guess it's, it's like progress to not doing it at all. It's <laughs> it, it's something that appears like progress on the face of it if you just look at it. But if you look even just barely beneath the surface, it's still upholding these like ideals of gender norms. Gender norms in my Utna or Ava fandom? It's more likely than you'd think. It's extremely likely. It's incredibly ironic with Utsuna because Utsuna's whole thing is being non-conforming. Yeah, I love, um, Sen just posted in our group chat about, uh, it was from Audra Lords, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. For the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us temporarily to beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. That is, people like this in fandoms, like whether you're being the cool girl who's okay with all of the gross hentai and stuff that dehumanizes you because it earns you brownie points with the men with whom you're talking. You're dismantling the master's house, but only barely and only on the surface. And you're not really doing anything to enact meaningful change. Funny about that is both of these pieces of media basically are about how to dismantle the master's Absolutely. house. Absolutely. That. <laughs> like, that's literally what both of these shows are about. Absolutely. Just- that is funny. <clears throat> um, I was um, just about to say that the whole men trying men trying to like something without it being a reflection of their own masculinity is kind of like that's Sionji, and on the other <laughs> end it's Asuka. The whole Asuka yeah. trying to call the guys. Oh, absolutely. To... Yeah. Totally. I just thought that was a funny parallel. Yeah, it's like there's there's self commentary built right into both of these stories. Yeah, I, I, like a hundred percent, Oscar is the cool girl. She is trying to keep up with the dehumanization present for women in Evangelion. Like she's trying to be a part of this to the point where she's literally trying to like get with Kaji and be a part of this. But, like, ultimately, it does sort of blow up on her. Well, like, with Asuka, especially, like, a huge, uh, a huge element, I think, of her character is Asuka is smart enough to know and be aware of her role and how she's going to be viewed and, and used in society um, as a victim. She already knows just preemptively that as a woman, at some point, she's going to be the victim. She's, yeah. you know, going to be something for the male gaze to amuse itself with etc cetera, etc cetera. and knowing that 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 place is is coming her choice and her answer is to kick them you know to beat them to the punch and grasp it and run ahead of them in, instead that's why she's like that very over sexualized over aggressive even though she hasn't done anything it's just like well if you're all gonna think of me as a sex object anyway you're gonna think of me as a sex object on my terms doesn't know what those terms should look like yet because she's 14 and 
And that's a pretty realistic view of a girl of that age in her situation. She's precocious and, and like, that's actually, there's, I think there's notes about that at some point, like, like just and her, like chasing Kaji and trying to grow up too fast and all of this, like that stuff is almost played for humor in Evangelion. Oh, it's absolutely played for humor. And at very expense. I mean, Asuka literally introduces herself Shinji in the face, like flying into screen. It's one of my favorite like shots. It's great. It's a very over aggressive entity, and and it's she's one of the only like good things man. about the rebuild movies is that we get to see a big dramatic entrance for Oscar. That is true. That is true. But it's interesting, and in, in, it approaches a similar like both Utina and and Evangeline in that sense have that di- like address and how they react to adult men versa and and. It, oh boy, are those different dancers. Like, Asuka would be exactly the same way in a Tori Academy. She really would. She's going to be victimized less if she's the one that does the jumping. She's kind of like Kose, I guess, that way. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of a big motive for Kose's precociousness. But it's played for humor in Evangelion and in Utna, it's played for fucking horror. And, I mean, uh, it, it is eventually turned around into being played for sick horrifying moments and and eva it just they make you laugh first which yeah. uh, kind of is is pretty effective honestly it is like i remember thinking it was very funny and and stuff at the time like when i watched it as a 14 year old that was like i get it that's what i would do i understand this character she's just like me and it's funny lol lol and then six you, months later i watched it and i was like Ugh. and then you hear the all holy chorus <laughs> and you never hear the same way ever again that didn't go out turn out as well as i'd have liked but so she okay trying to be an adult which not everyone in yeah. in evangelion is really attempting to do <laughs> no not at all and it's funny, like even some of the adults are feeling like that and i'd say that some of the child characters are even more mature than the adult characters hmm. so it's common knowledge that ano and Ikihara are friends um as well as we have here in the notes and I did not know this until I read that um the shows share several voice actors oh yeah it's a small family I listed them all do you want to list them to me us yeah like I did not know that Misato and Jury are the same oh yeah yeah they're also that's also Sailor Moon to beat you (laughs) oh really but, oh, yeah, she's the Bichu. Yeah. Who? Uh, Who's the Bichu? Oh, oh, dear. Okay, a Bichu is- this is from a, the Before Times? Cartoon about- it, it's an anime about a hamster that keeps- that's a housekeeper. And it's a comedy. Is this the- Wait, is that the one that's really- the really gross? Yeah, it's- what? it's- I think that it's we had to- Taro. I think that you and Yasha made us watch that one night. <laughs> we did. We did. I cursed. I hated it. That makes me- To list Katono- Kotono Mitsuishi is also is Mitsu is Misato, Juri, Usagi Tsukino, and Abichu. All four characters. Holy crap. She's everywhere. She's done like all the things. My heart is really, um, ironic because I pretty sure um, Ano wrote Misato to be like a an adult version of Tsukino. Adult version of yeah, Sailor that's Moon. That's why um that's why their hair is the same. Their bangs are the same as a nod to Sailor Moon. And that's why I love her with my whole heart. 
I have no attachment to Sailor Moon to drive this emotional response. So. I have the the entirety of the emotional attachment to Sailor Moon that we need for this podcast. I'm sure you do. I do. I'm like that's that's the one with all the chicks in it, right? <coughs> oh yeah, because you don't like anime with women in it because you're a misogynist. <laughs> I, I, I don't like. <laughs> That's, that's uh, fine. Um, I did not know that the voice actors for Akio and Kawaru did a <laughs> Yowie. Did a Yowie's like a CD? Can we talk about that for two seconds? Because Why I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I do need to know more details about this. Does anyone okay, know of a, Yeah, does anyone know of a series called Okana Ganai? No. I mean, I don't. It, it, it used to be really popular <laughs> back in the day. But think of the most seme seme hooking up with the most uke uke. Oh boy. <laughs> oh my god. And the, um, the uke gets sold into like sexual slavery because of his brother's debt. And he's like. And then the seme buys him, and then they have uh, rapey shenanigans. This is like some like Kaiji Ultimate Survivor shit going on. <laughs> What the fuck? Oh That's a cursed image. <laughs> did we watch it together, Giovanna? No, we I watched. We no, we watched Boku no Sexual Harassment. <laughs> oh, that one. Oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> the corn was so delicious. Akio's voice actor is the Sema, and Kawawa's yeah. voice actor is the Uka, but only in the drama CD. Okay, here. <coughs> okay, Akio's voice actor's entire body of work prior to Utena was being. A semi. That's what he does. I love that. And that's that's I'm guessing why they hired him. They were just like, just do the semi thing. Just, just do that. Isn't he also mm. McCree in Overwatch? Yes. yes he I is. just want you guys to know that I'm never gonna be able to think about Akio again with he of the phrase big old yaoi hands. Well, I mean he's already got the shoulders, so Oh we're... god, he does. Uh, he he is. He's like has the proportions. Akio and has they... yaoi hands. <laughs> Yaoi just dumped into this shoujo anime out of nowhere. Please, please tell me that you will title this episode, Akio Has Big Yaoi Hands. I'm not going to put it in the title, but I am going to put it in the description. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so. Back on topic. <laughs> so back, back to like the sort of like how they share um the uh, directors are, are friends and they share voice actors they also there's a lot of similarities in how they like frame stuff as well um, a lot of shots that are almost definitely like shot for shot nods for each other's work in them so and like with it's the, my understanding that evangelion came out before did utana however However, there were many episodes that got extensive um, with with reshot scenes. Like, they actually redid cells. Okay. Those are, like, episode 22 on. And all of a lot of those added scenes look very, very similar to stuff in Utena. The thing is, within about three months of Utena. So, I couldn't really parse out which of these things happened first and which happened after. And if three months <clears throat> is, like, long enough that they would have inspired one another. Sure. But if 
if one of these, th if if Utena or Evangelion aren't nodding to each other, they're literally having the exact same ideas at simultaneous moments multiple times. So, like, there's this sort of, there's an interesting, like, um, Aristotle-Plato thing with the two of them, where they start in mm -hmm. the same place and go in wildly different directions. Um, mm -hmm. They're answering the same questions in markedly different ways, using a lot of the same language. Um, and that's not just like language, uh, when I say language, I mean actually like language language, but also visual language. Mm -hmm. And also in how they sort of, the way that they choose to sell story, tell stories. I said this the first time around, and I kind of thought I'd say this earlier this time, but I've always thought of these two as being, Eva is, Eva is psychological. It is a de detailed to the point of navel gazing in mm. its attempt to vivisect the vivisect the self, whereas Utsna is more of a holistic, comprehensive, philosophical approach of asking questions, but not necessarily getting neurotic about it when you don't get a really clear answer. Yeah, definitely. Which reflects your fandom. And that, yeah, their fandoms reflect that that accordingly. We we do not yeah. demand answers very much. Fandom definitely does, I think, to a point. It seems like the Utsuna fandom has gotten to a point where getting specific answers to things is just not... It's not the point. It's not going to happen. Which is interesting because they are both doing something very similar with the backgrounds of their stories and their settings in that they are both borrowing from a larger sort of archetypal idea to tell a story that is new in how it uses that idea. Like, Evangelion is a mecha anime using mecha and sci-fi, sci technobabble, the trappings of these genres to do something that is different from most of the stuff you see in Mecca before it. And Usna is using the trappings of fairy tales to sort of like frame its narrative. And it's interesting because even though they're both sort of doing the same thing, they do it in wildly different ways. Usna, like there is no separation between Usna and its fairy tale trappings. You cannot divorce them from each other. Whereas with Evangelion, you could put Shinji in a completely different thing with zero mechas, and he would still be Shinji. Yeah, like, definitely. Part of I think some of the reason why the fandoms are like that, the shows are like that, is because the the sort of the noise to the noise to signal ratio with Utsna, you are it trains you to not care about that or to see it as sort of this ephemeral thing. It keeps you in what I've called sort of this constant state of um, disorientation and it wants you to stay there whereas Evangelion is has all these red herrings and it almost invites you to chase the red herrings it's not going to give you a good satisfying answer but it it invites you to chase them anyway yeah definitely that too is is in both cases, like on top of everything else going on with both of these these things, consciously deconstructing the genre they're already sitting in, um, mm -hmm. of success, I think. Um, 
Vangelion, I, I almost want to say, does it a poorer job because it ends up becoming the thing that it tried not to be. There's a lampshade yeah. big enough to keep all of those half-naked Asuka and Rey statues underneath it. <laughs> yeah, like, <clears throat> there's a degree to which Evangelion failed to do. Like, they're both, they both set out to try to do the same thing. And even Gillian fails in ways that Revolutionary Girl Utena does not. Um, namely, yeah, in the sense that, you know, it's a lot harder for you to, like, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of shady shit that's Utena related on the internet, but you're going to find a lot oh, less yeah. than you do uh, body yeah. pillows of Asuka. Utena body pillow. Yeah. Mostly Check because... NSFW channels I know DVD they... Server. I know that body pillows of Utena are probably a thing that exists, but I'm less likely to see that if I walk into an anime convention than I am a Ray or an Asuka. And please you know, don't, please don't show not... us either. Please don't send me body pillows. I don't want to see it. Please don't. I you beg of you. Very well. There is a 90% chance that if an Utena body pillow existed, it would be Akio and it would be something either I made or was made for me. I was about to ask if you, I was about to ask, like, there's no way that you haven't at some point considered making one, at least as a joke. I, I have considered it as a joke, but I have not done it. If you have any ideas for Revolutionary Girl Utena body pillows, you can send those to <laughs> at Otori hell. underscore NU on Tumblr or on Twitter. You can send them straight to hell where they belong. You can also send them straight to hell we're, where they belong. Oh, we repeat ourselves. Same shit. But that's also just the scale of the fandom. Like the the Evangelion <clears throat> fandom is just orders of magnitude bigger than than anything ever. It's just huge. There's plenty of room for some extra Rule 34 kind of shit. But um, I think part of the reason that, that the Evangelion fails on that premise is that a lot of the people that like Evangelion like the robots and the symbolism. And all of the things that it's deliberately trying to say are not important. With Utena, I think it, it has a little bit more success that way, but it also has a much smaller fandom to receive that success. Mm -hmm. um, the fans of Utena that that I, you know, most of us seem to be very aware that Utena is a deconstruction of a lot of shoujo tropes. Vangelion fans seem to be, like, aware that it's supposed to be deconstructing these tropes, but they don't really um, brace that so much so like it's a just it's a deconstruction and then they like talk a bunch about how you know the robots work and things um well they get they get really up in the lore. i mean dude, I mostly because very, uh, oh sorry you, you go first alice no Al I was just... sen what did you say i just think that um from what i've seen on evangelion fandom spaces they're not as interested in seeing how it is a deconstruction, per se. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Like, they're There's aware in, of it. It's more of a scholastic effort, I think, in in for them versus in Utena. Because there's probably more that they perceive to deconstruct. Like, how much can you really deconstruct Utena? None of it's real. It's literally a fucking projection. 
Well, like, uh, why, uh, I guess this is sort of a broad question, but what do you think it is about Utena that makes it to where people are more likely to focus on the fact that it is a deconstruction rather than Evangelion? Because, like, as, we, as we've mentioned, they are both deconstructions of their own genres in a way, but there is, like, a difference there. The thing about deconstruction is that I'll, I'm always do, I always do this. This is very on brand for me. Like, the way that we think about deconstruction goes back to a guy named Derrida, and oh. the point of deconstruction for Derrida was to take the thing apart to understand how it works. Um, and one of the things he talks about is how disorienting that is is how when we realize that like kind of like when we realize that what we're looking at is not in a sense not true or real that there's an artificiality to it that it is constructed there is a sense of dizzying freedom that is disorienting and that's part of the experience of revelation and that's what utana does like in spades like Every part of Utana is designed to make you disoriented while also simultaneously keeping you laser focused on the emotional content that makes the story work. It is simultaneously keeping you from engaging with it, purposefully being obtuse and obscure in order to force you to think about it the way that it wants you to think about it. It's not being subtle about it. It is laying all the cards on the table. And that's kind of how it deconstructs it. It's not pretending. It is very upfront and about what it is and what it is doing and what it's not going to do. And Eva is trying to do that, but it gets caught in its own constructions. It gets caught in its own language games. With there's there's a sense of disorientation with all the secrets and this and all the technobabble and all the whatever. But in playing and trying to fight the language game of technobabble sci-fi from the inside, Eva kind of loses the. Play. It gets sucked into genuinely just doing the thing it set out to sort of deconstruct and poke at. I kind of wonder too if if the difference isn't so much that Utena succeeded in an endeavor that Evangelion failed, but so much. Utena, as far as what it's trying to deconstruct, it's it's explicitly trying to deconstruct the fairy tale, the shoujo trope, the romance novel, whatever, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Evangelion has that deconstruction of the genre as an element that it's aiming for, but I almost wonder if it's not much more of a, an effort to deconstruct its fan base. Yes. As I would say, it succeeds to all viewers that are not the fan base for whom it would never have succeeded anyway. And it seems to have understood that. I mean, Utsun is also de kind of doing the, the whole deconstructing the fan base thing. It's just, it does it in a less sort of like direct juvenilian way. It's like, does it tangentially this yeah. we're, we're looking at this character and this character is easy for you to project on. So by, definition by association we are looking at you two i was um i just want to add like a lot of us agree that the utina movie is like an ode to the fandom that kind of like utina and auntie hooking up akio being pathetic loser ass <coughs> sure <laughs> lesbian 
and I, I'm just thinking of that in contrast to End of Evangelion, how End of Evangelion is, a, is like a piss take on Evangelion fandom. That's it. <laughs> yeah, we're, like a... we're mostly in agreement here that End of Evangelion is a fuck you to the Evangelion fandom. Which, again, the Evangelion fandom loved it, so... Yeah... The Evangelion fandom seems to manage to not realize that they're Shinji. Or they do realize, and instead of thinking about that, they just decided to talk about how much Asuka is a bitch. Yeah, or or it's just that they watched this movie and were like, oh, yeah, I masturbate on pictures of Asuka too, and that was really as, thought, as far as they thought it. <laughs> Hell is other people. I mean... Uh... <laughs> But, but I mean, like, that is such an obvious comment. Like, this is literally, like, we know that you are totally fetishizing the weak and injured women that we show you, and it's sick. See how sick it is? And they're like, it looks like me. <laughs> look, look at how sick you are. Yep, I'm pretty sick. They're, they're fapping away, and they're like, yeah, me, yeah. In that sense, it is a criticism of of a trope of that genre in the same sense as our other scene is in a sort of in a sort of way in our last attempt at the podcast i i made the point that like the fans are in a room talking together and someone says the <clears throat> scene we all know what scene you're talking about if you go into a room full of evangelion fans and you say the scene we all know what scene you're talking about and they're both scenes where a woman's agency is taken away from her from completely different points of view and used for totally different reasons and blah 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 but they're very it's kind of interesting that in both cases we all agree that that is shocking or offensive or you know discussion demanding kind of moments in either case but in the case of like with Utena I don't think that scene so much as other parts of the show one of the storyboard artists kind of in an interview basically said that the portrayal of of Akio is supposed to be romance novels and romance manga and things like that but it's if you're watching episode 33 it's very hard to think of it that way because it's so awful to watch and it's it's a deconstruction of those expectations it's like well, you asked for romance, but this is what you actually got. Evangelion does a lot of the same things with how it presents its contents. Like, you wanted girls, this is what you got. The way that, it's it's interesting to me that the scene, which is, like you said last time, was essentially the same scene, in that it is the a male character taking advantage of one of the female main characters, one of the female cast, in a overtly sexual manner. And... I kind of said at the time, I still still just sort of like blows my mind that what separates those scenes is how they're presented to us. Um, with Shinji in the hospital scene, it is this dissociative episode feeling kind of thing where the only thing that we really see much of him is like a solipsistic act. Like hmm. the only thing that exists is him doing this this thing. He's and, almost like secondary to the the thing. Yeah, and, and in a sense, it, it almost has this like out of body experience, and not in a good way. Of hmm. I'm not here doing this; it's just happening, and I'm passively traumatized watching myself, and which is very difficult for more than just the obvious, but like that just makes it worse. And it it reminded me of the way in which um, 
Gendo has the dummy plug system take hmm. over his, take over the Evo when he needs to, to to basically when when he ends up like basically almost killing his friend. Um, and it's 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 kind of the same idea. Whereas with Utsuna, you don't have that dissociative quality. You don't have that escape. It is all there. You have to stare at Utsuna as she tries to talk her way into feeling comfortable. And that gets to kind of like um, a point that get the notes here about um, the use of magical realism and the lack thereof in these two different media. Like it, that that scene, like with with Shinji and the dummy plug, I found that to be one of the more moving scenes. Like it's very intense. This you can totally see why he's freaking out, even though he has absolutely no control. He blames himself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. To him, in that moment, you have to imagine yourself in a humanoid robot beating up another humanoid robot that has a human inside it. That that. Mm-hmm suspension of disbelief and that level of you know moving yourself into this character's shoes is demanded of you in in, in evangelion whereas you know when you get to utina and it's time for your fucking awful emotional scene have people jumping over fucking cars and you know castles in the air all of that goes away suddenly there's no haze filter over the animation it's just this very mundane shot of a girl and she's alone in a room and there's nothing magical about it. There's no <laughs> freaky shit that you have to try to imagine yourself in. It's it's very realistic. And I kind of get the sense that they wanted a feeling like that with, with the scene in Evangelion, but commit to it or didn't know why they were trying to do it. The scene in Evangelion, is, I hate it. Um, I hate, hate it, it a lot. We, we have discussed many times how much we hate that. It, but the scene in Utsuna is more harrowing for yeah. me i don't know if that's universal but it i i actually like when i tried to watch the first time i actually couldn't the first time i had to mm-hmm. sort of take a break for a little bit i was able to the second time i was fine mm-hmm. but like i did not expect it to be that that yeah. i didn't expect to have to like have this long running set of shots where Uthan is just talking about inane bullshit trying to feel yeah. good about the situation because holy fuck yeah, and she's she trying to do, in a weird way, she's trying to do what Shinji does, where he just has this dissociative episode, and she hmm. can't. She can't get away. She can't escape. And that, that makes it worse. Like, the major difference between these two scenes is that Shinji is the perpetrator in the scene, and Utsuna is not, but... In both scenes, Shinji is framed as the victim of what's occurring, and Utsuna mm-hmm. is correctly framed as the victim of what's occurring. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're still made to empathize. With him, so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, he's even aware. Like, he is aware. Like, in the he moment. knows that what he's doing is wrong because as soon as he does it, he says, I'm so fucked up. And I just like, got the impression he did it deliberately to feel fucked up. Yeah. It, it, is, it almost comes across really messed up attempt to do self-harm um which is so uncomfortable it's a lot easier to read him as this kind of pathetic figure and and all of that when to think of yourself as shinji and i think a lot of like Mm. generally doesn't read that as heavily as as it seems to be applied in the like we tend to pick other characters or or things like that but it's hard, like, even if he's pathetic, that's that much worse if you're thinking of it as, I'm, I'm, I'm Shinji, I'm supposed to be. There's just so much ego defense going on, like, uh, yeah. I think you've got some of the Evangelion fandom, like, a lot of the, a lot of the really vitriol, a lot of really, um, 
like a lot of the ritual like levy that Shinji, a lot of it is just ego defense. I think a lot of you would agree with me. There's like there's ego defense between the characters. There's there's even ego defense between our fandom and the Evangelion fandom to a degree. Oh yeah, there totally uh, is. Ego defense, uh, like just anytime somebody uh, hits a little too close to home, and <laughs> I mean, and then so we we've all seen plenty of that. So I have a question for you, Gio. Why is it? that the anime with the hospital scene is the only one of is the only one of these two that has even one relationship that is sexual in nature and not awful on every level specifically Masato and what's his name Kaji Kaji um the the pretty one Kaji <laughs> so the pretty one okay anyway um Utena and Evangelion treat sex very, very, neither of them treats it healthily. Boy, um, howdy. Treats sex as an extension of the question of how how do you humans connect? Is there any meaningful, unpainful, valuable way that humans can connect to each other? And one of those examples that the in, this, in the story is sex. We can use it to connect to each other, blah, 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 blah. And... Um, the point of view as a 14 year old boy it ends up being very <clears throat> like kind of uncomfortable not necessarily healthy perspective there one of the things that always made me really hate shinji for a long time and made it hard for me to grapple with feeling bad for him near the end of the series when he's having i think i think it's in the, one of the last two episodes but at one point you know they're having the whole philosophical discussion about dis about communication and and all and in a room watching Misato and Kaji fuck. Yay. Presented as clearly as Misato is desperate to have some sort of connection with another person, so she's using her body to accomplish that, and blah, 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 and it's framed as very critical, kind of, almost. And, and, and Shinji is scowling, totally unhappy and disgusted with this, like, you fucking whore. And he, has, he has big incel energy at that has big insult energy and he has big like high horse energy given what we see later always it always hit me as very as a very uncomfortable and critical and nasty way to look at sex and there are no counterpoints to it even though like outside of the context of how shinji is looking at it that not isn't an unhealthy relationship it's actually kind of cute but he sees it as disgusting and gross because ew, sex. And all the other sexual activity in the show is bad or is clearly toxic and bad just by implication from what it is. Like, you know ain't nothing healthy going on between Ritsuko and Gendo. That ain't healthy. You know that. But but it, it is still a crit it is still looking at sex as a poor answer to how to communicate. Whereas all of the sex in Utena is um, communicate. There is no communicative sex in Utena. It's all power, change or abuse or... So in neither case is it very... Neither is being positive about sex, but what's wrong with it is different. Evangelion's is, at the end of the day, sex is bad because that's not your mom anyway. And, and Utena is bad because at the end of the day, sex is an exchange of power between children and you know, or whoever always going to be a use a way to use <clears throat> like all the sex toga has with his little like his little bitch swarm none of that's healthy sex that's him you know using these women to validate his own self you know val his own self-worth so so like 
their objections are different, but they're both objecting. Like, that goes just on a point that we talked about a lot the first time around. We keep referring to that. Um, It's hard not to when we talked for two hours and then it totally got lost. Yeah. But, but, um, we, I I kind of brought up this idea that, like, they, they are both trying to answer the question of, look at, like, how do we connect to other people? And even though, like, they have, they have very different answers, whereas Shinji is atomized, he's isolated, alienated, he is to connect with anybody in a meaningful sense. Other people try to connect with him, um, sometimes with their their shoe and his face, but like <laughs> they are trying to connect with him in various ways, and he just doesn't do that in return. And Utsuna is constantly doing it to the point of annoying, and it works. Like Jury at the end of the series gives her kind of basically says, "I hope win." Mm-hmm. Like like the one who did not want to talk to her and was irritated by her is completely on her side they like one of the one of my favorite scenes they're playing badminton kind of the calm before the storm and they're friends she made friends with every enemy she except for akio an attempt was made an attempt was made and whereas shinji doesn't but ironically the ending of them like it's it's sort of reverse because the ending there's this topsy turvy thing because like the ending of explicitly the show not the movies explicitly lays out this idea that like he chooses in rejecting instrumentality shinji chooses to try again he chooses i would rather live in a world where i can interact with other people in a meaningful way to have the potential for that which is kind of uplifting and but there's but but the and especially in the movies there's a lot of there like the the doubt that that is even possible is still there like everybody people are still really isolated from each other even physically in the sense that like i mean how many shots in in eva are of two characters who are significant physical distance away from each other having an a cryptic conversation Uh which you don't necessarily understand and you feel like out of the loop and and alienated from that conversation it's like all the time and Utsuna, you have the ultimate, like this huge betrayal, and then Utsuna basically vanishes. But we have the sense that at the end of Utsuna, connection is possible. She is going to go find her. Mm-hmm. It's and it's viewed as way more optimistic about it. It's like we're all going to keep hurting each other, uh, and it's 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 a very it's bleak. It's like very bleak. Whereas, like Ikuhara is is aspirational sense of what is the best case scenario that we build for ourselves and Anno is very I mean let's be real Anno is depressed I mean yeah. he explicitly made Evangelion kind of in formed depression. it around his own depression how he dealt with it. and yeah. like Anno is more like everything is awful what is the if we cannot have victory what can we have and his answer is sort of like we can fight to a draw we're never going to get to a situation, Anno says, where or show, kind of shows where we are happy completely. But we might be able to get to a situation where we can at least be okay. Yeah, and that's better than nothing. And um, it, that is uplifting, in a way. It's not as uplifting in, in a sort of like hopeful way, but it's still pretty hopeful. I feel like it's a very gendered divide again. But with with Evangelion, the is all internal and the trauma is like this 
Shinji battling against this awful nihilistic, you know, nothing matters, internal struggle of the soul kind of thing. But it's self-inflicted and it's internal to him. Mm-hmm. For most people, it is like it's addressing that kind of thing, like where we're all having that existential dread of what does it mean to even even fucking be here. Whereas Utena, the major trauma in Utena isn't what does it mean to be here. It's about abuse. Mm-hmm. A lot harder to frame positively, even when you're getting away from it. In that sense, it's easier to be optimistic when it's all on you to fix versus with with Utena, where where especially like Anthe's thing isn't being abused, and that's a very I feel like it's a darker thing to contend with and it's gendered in the sense that owning a thing that women are trained to expect and deal with and contend with and make peace with it's it's a different question from what do i mean because you don't get to answer it just on your own you have to answer it in in regards to how other people treat you and how other people treat you might not be up to you It's a more, in that sense, I think it's a more complicated question to, as Evangelion, I think is easier to have that kind of encouraging thing from, because the question is, how do you feel about this and what are you going to do about it? Um, you know, I like how Shinji answers it. I think it's, that's probably the right answer. And, and I like how they ended it. And that's why I don't fucking like end of Evangelion is because they took that perfectly good mm-hmm. mystic answer and took a big, steaming jizz on it so Utena kind of does that as well it's just like Utena has that but she just like she has an answer for it Mm. in a way that Shinji takes forever and like okay so her whole heroic death when she loses I talked about this as sort of like um I I did a whole episode with sort of like viewing the first arc through a sort of Kierkegaardian lens and like one of the things I talked about was like she has that sort of like crisis of meaning that Shinji has for a whole fucking series and she is able to overcome it at least in the short because of the connections that she's made with the implicit answer to me seeming to be that that Usuna answers that that crisis by by saying that instead of going to the very ends of your ability to be isolated before you just want to die, you should maybe reach out to other people before you hit that point. Hmm. So that you have a wakaba, so that you have the promise of the hmm. connection to Anthe, so that you have so that you have something. And it telegraphs the end of the series as well, because mm-hmm. it's that's it's that the answer to what to do about this and how to get better is other people and with other people and having them be valuable and important. Whereas Evangelion suggests that, but at the end of the day, it does kind of suggest that the <coughs> battle is going to happen in your own head. It's still on you, which actually I feel probably is, has more, a lot more, but yeah, it's like Shinji is on the first step of about a thousand at the end of, of Eva, and oh, totally. But I feel, feel I feel that way about Anthe too. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's really a good parallel. Like they're in, they're at the same point where they are not better yet, and they may not better be better for a very long time. But you mm-hmm. believe that they're going to be. They believe that they could be. 
Like that's that's like the big revolution for both of them. It's not that everything has been fixed for Shinji. It's that he has decided it could be fixed. And it's not that anything is fixed for Anthe, although Anthe and that she's not around Akio anymore. But she's meant is that she's decided I can do better than this. And that's it's that whole like <coughs> first step is the biggest step. And for both of those characters in in this sense that is the hugest step they have to take but both series end on like an ellipses like now they've got a lot of miserable crap to deal with but get from a more empowered you know stance than they were before so you're like woo hmm i was so, just about to say, oh what'd you say i probably should have said this earlier actually but um Vana, didn't you used to tell me that for sex and Evangelion was was very self-destructive in comparison to Utsuna where sex was used to hurt people? Uh, yeah. I feel like like a lot of the time in Evangelion, um, to abuse yourself, like mm. when it's used that way, like like there's this kind of like destructiveness around that has sex and why, and it's almost never about the other person. Like like you you never really get the impression Ritsuko is in love with Gendo or something like flogging of the self kind of thing and in that sense i mean it's very on the nose to hurt themselves a lot more than they use it to hurt other people it kind of comes back to that idea of the hospital scene being this almost perverse act of self-harm because like all of them kind of are except kind of for the misato and um Kaji. Kaji. I've literally freed his name every time. Um, <laughs> but, like, that one's not as much. But the other ones, they all are kind of that way. It's it's a way of hurting myself because somehow that will be transmuted into value. relief and value. Yeah. yeah. Utena, most, of the, most of the sex that happens in Utena is is the other party. In, even if both parties are the other party of power. Hmm. Like, I don't think anybody in, in, in Utsuna is really having sex to hurt themselves. Or at least most of the characters are not doing it that way, or for those reasons. Most of them, like, a lot of the time, sex in Utsuna and sexuality in Utsuna is almost like an act of aggression. Or it is an act of aggression. Even if it's a mutual act of aggression, which is what I would call Akio and Anthe. Yeah. Like, with, with Toga, I feel like there's almost... Like, he's not having sex with all these women to hurt himself. He, it, it, it's a kind of a taking. Yeah, it's it's an aggressive gesture on in that case. Comes a question of which of the, what what kind of victimization are these two shows talking about and talking about the way you victimize yourself mm. and Utena is talking about the way others can victimize you and both of those are very things that happen all the time. They're completely different as far as what you do about them or how you feel about them and what you can react to them with. So I'm looking at kind of thinking of touching upon. Um, we've talked a little bit about um, the Abrahamic noise to sig signal to noise as well. Very and you, it's we, not. We have we? Last podcast. What was that? I think we um that was last podcast. Oh, you? you're right. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I guess that'd be a good that as well as sort of like the weird Freudian thing going on in both of them might be. A, Oh yes, let's Freud. Um, I'd prefer not to. <laughs> well, the only it's thing with Freud not is not that... that I wouldn't prefer to discuss Freud. I just don't want to Freud. <laughs> Lols. Um, 
so the Abrahamic, I, I did kind of mention, you know, you can you can change a lot of the Abrahamic thing. Um, last time I mentioned the one thing, the one Abrahamic element of Evangelion, I don't think that you could really get rid of without fundamentally changing it. There's this idea in Evangelion of the sort of your sins will find you out, not just in a karmic way, but in a original said way. Like the reason that the angels are coming to this place is because they are trying to get to Adam or Lilith. And like the original sin of doing to Adam what they did has made the angels a problem. But even more than that, in Evangelion, there's this idea that no matter what you would have done, you were always fucked because like a bazillion years ago, Lilith landed on the wrong planet. That is the original sin. Lilith stole Earth from the children of Adam. And that wrongness is carried with you. Like you cannot escape what has already happened. And that is the one Abrahamic element. I don't think. But like, that's also like a Buddhist thing, isn't it? Like a Buddhist comic. Well, the karmic part of it is, but the part of that, I I feel like the original Original sin sin is a different thing. I think. Yeah. Like, because like the whole idea of like, you know, what, what you do comes around, is as a is a widely shared idea, but the original sin is different because you don't have to do it. That somebody a bazillion years ago did the thing, and now you're, everybody after that is fucked. You're it's your it's your burden to bear whether you had any role in it or not, which you didn't. The sins of the father are visited upon the son. These kind of literally, I mean, Yindar's mm-hmm. sins are literally visited upon Shinji. Like, Shinji didn't do anything to deserve having pilot at Mecca and almost die a bunch of times and be Like Gendo abused. did, does. But Gendo deserved that, but he's not the one who's punished. His original, his sins are carried on in time. The sin of first contact is carried on in time. The sin of Adam's world being stolen by Lilith, even by accident, is carried on we were always fucked and like and it's interesting because like eva is like says we're, we were always fucked but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything about us is fucked. that like at the end there is a possibility that we might figure out how to live with this sort of innate destructiveness that we have that we can't get rid of and utana doesn't really have i don't think utana really has a um, every it's more karmic in a sense that like what you do comes back to you, but this this what your parents did or what happened before you doesn't, with one exception, Anthe. Like Anthe's sort of choice to protect Dios does radiate out from her in the sense that it hurts everybody else in the um, including herself. She is trapped by this sort of, because the anti now is not the anti. Anthony, you know, mm. it's so long ago that her her quote unquote sin, even though it's debatably sinful, um, carries through the years. Hmm. And whether it's a sin or not, the is is hers to bear and hers to set down in the end due to his aunt like the answer to that is is so simple because it's literally fucking leave yeah like it doesn't have any of the same hang up 
Yeah. The, it doesn't uh, put any caveats on that. It's just just fucking leave. <clears throat> Which Shinji can't escape humans. being human, but Anthony, yeah. but to for Utena, that's not what being human is. And Anthony's not trying to escape being human. She's trying to escape being a victim. And and I have by I have criticisms of that, just in the broadest sense of the message being, oh hey, if you're being abused, you can just walk away. That's how that works. It's uh, the show already does so much telegraphing and building around how hard that is anyway that I can't really get mad at it about it. But yeah, like at that point, it's less. It it doesn't feel to me. It didn't feel so much that you can leave is more like yeah you can leave maybe after like you after all the heartbreak and suffering maybe at that point you can leave yeah i think it's i think it's more that my like in the back of my head i'm like yeah that's really easy to to do when it's someone who's too much of a coward to chase after her because he won't yeah i the idea of having something having something done having play wrong just in your genetic makeup is like a big is like a big thing in evangelion and and in utna like the question of it is almost broached like there's that like moments where there's a question of you know is guilt at your actions or (coughs) any kind of guilt at all mean and how much should it cripple you or can it cripple you and in in all of those cases Utsun is literally like moving on like there's like a simplicity to her like to her the way she makes her decisions that makes that kind of question very easy to answer alien is a lot more contemplative and Shinji is a lot more contemplative to his detriment. That is the fool and that saves her in many ways. It keeps her from having to overanalyze things that would not really get her anywhere to overanalyze. And Shinji's problem is a little familiar to a lot of us in that he thinks about things so much that he just ties himself to the knots and gets into a hot mess. So um, I, ha- I have a question for the table. as um, Small question. It occurs to me that, like, Shinji's, like, the inescapability sort of, like, condition. Do you, I wonder if that, maybe the difference there is that Eva was born out of depression, which can be kind of inescapable and can be kind of, can also maybe be genetically, genetic to an extent. And, like, you know, that's just not in the background of, like at all yeah i it's about such different things like one's about a depression and the other's about abuse and i mean they're both a kind of abuse i suppose yeah but like it be abuse is not something that you could be genetically disposed to have happen to you you know so depression it, sure the fuck is yeah so like it's just it's it, it can't be the same like and because I, that would be weird and, and... Gendo and Shinji are so clearly cut from the same cloth that way. <laughs> like, it's plainly made evident that Shinji is not an apple that fall very fell very far from this tree. Like, they clearly have more in common than they don't. Uh, an inclination to melancholy, although Gendo does not, you know, that. But obviously he has a, an inclination to melancholy, given how he everything by deciding he's going to destroy the world i mean 
they are both in despair. They are both in despair. Like, give Shinji's despair if he survives to 10 years that way, he might start being, he would, he would probably would turn into Gendo. I mean, that's what despair becomes a, becomes a beast of its own name, of its own sort of construction. And it Mm -hmm. stops being just a, like, um, Kierkegaard describes despair as not so much a general thing, but a despair over oneself that one is not what one would wish to be. And that kind of fits them really well. Like, Gendo does yeah. not want to be a widower. He does not want to live in a world where he does not have, like, Yui, and he doesn't have all the stuff he used to have. So in his despair, he will either, he says, I will either be Caesar or I will die, or nothing, I die. So he can't be one, so he's going to do the other, and by God, he's going to take all the rest of us with him. I mean, sounds valid to me. But, like, it actually, that, that kind of touches on... A, a ref like a thing you said because because you said the like a big thing in evangelion is the sense of the father being visited on the son mm-hmm. lack of that in utina i think is in no small part because focus like the huge focus in evangelion like so much of evangelion is about parenting and children and motherhood especially motherhood our <clears throat> massive arc of of shit that Utina does not involve itself in at all. Like motherhood is is totally an avoided entity in in Utina. I think it's kind of interesting that you have this very male focused, male dominated um, piece of media where motherhood is the huge theme that that all of the women have to contend with. Yaska mm-hmm. a little bit less than everybody else, but motherhood is this huge, you know cast over every female character and how every male character perceives every female character and it's this theme that they just analyze and tear apart and dissect and then you get to Utena and it's like yeah my mother died moving on like motherhood is not y'all of what being a woman means in Utena in fact it's not even remotely that like which is something that I appreciate same like that's something i loved about it is that it doesn't address that at all because it doing that posits that that is not the end all be all of being a woman which is like thanks so progressive i suppose that hadn't really occurred to me so i have to ask panda and geo how weird is that to see it even going up scale of one to ten like how weird does that how weird is what exactly? That sort of obsession with motherhood that's an Evangelion. Like, how weird is that to you? Get one that's in. I mean, I'm kind of used to motherhood being a secondary aspect to, like, just the very definition of womanhood and femininity since before I could string together that sentence of words and so I don't know when I started to pick up on the themes of like motherhood in Evangelion I wasn't a hundred percent surprised I'm yeah. Italian <laughs> oh. yeah I guess I was just like we were before we started recording we were talking about um how sometimes we just have blind spots and that's uh, it's occurring to me that that is that was sort of a blind spot for me because i just not thought about that at all um, um i think 
it's it's not surprising that Evangelion, which isn't a show that is purporting to challenge gender roles in any way. No, it's aggressively straight. It's aggressively straight. It's it's aggressively binary. It is. It is aggressively cis hetero for ninety nine percent of the time, and then there's one percent that the cow ocean stuff falls into. Yeah, exactly. When it gets gay, it gets really gay. But it is still a binary, though. Yeah, it's still a binary because the guys are guys and the girls are girls, and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Utina's like finding premises is a challenge of the the gender norms and what it means to be a guy and what it means to be a girl and what it means to be on that binary or beyond that binary or whatever male characters sometimes act more like women than the than the female ones do and vice versa so i'm not surprised that that dynamic exists much more in utina than it does in evangelion in the sense of being representative of media at large evangelion kind of stands its ground there like what of of all the media that that you see only on women and and mothering as being this fundamental aspect of means to be a woman which um i think is starting to get kind of old like people are starting to depart from that certainly 20 years ago that was not a thing that you would you would really see a whole lot of so uh, sure. it's not really surprising to have seen evangelion and have these female characters all be preoccupied with motherhood in some capacity and have it be a thing that is going to contend with if they have a vagina it does seem kind of interesting for that to be such a thing in a show that is clearly by men for men it's not a much higher pedestal because it's a show for women by men. So, I don't know how Utina would be different if it had been made by just women, but... I think I've probably mentioned this, but someone translated an interview with a guy that did some of the storyboards for the show and directed a couple others. Mm-hmm. He described episode 30 as his attempt to capture the same romantic tone as Saito's manga. Yeah, we have talked about this, and I recall that. I almost kind of want to say it is, like, because the, the series frames it in a much more negative light and in a much <coughs> more, um, like, abusive, coercive well, it, Akio as a character is more abusive and coercive in the anime than he is in the manga. I say like it's it, it that portrayal of that that portrayal of that tone and that portrayal of his motives something that a man is going to portray more keenly because put them in that place like that you know what I mean like I don't really want to say that because that sounds kind of woo. But it is easier for a man to frame a man sexually abusing a girl than it is for a woman to frame a man sexually abusing a girl and be accurate to how the man is doing it and why. Yeah, I, 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 I get where you're going. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's... It, it's not a thing that I would feel comfortable leaning on. I don't want to lean on it, but I feel like it's worth pointing out, I guess. If, if for no other reason, if for no other reason than you can understand the basic sort of this character is the same gender as I am, so there's a certain level of shared experience kind of? Yeah, it's problematic. Our fave is problematic. Our fave is heckin' problematic, my dudes. 
It's it super is. And like, to be fair, I, I feel like it understands. It does better. Yeah, like, the, it's not to say that the depiction of sexual violence in any form of Utena, be it the anime or the manga, is without nuance. Because certainly every version of Utena, when dealing with sexual violence, does so with nuance, but still. Absolutely. And respectfully, like, I think one of the things I like so much about it is how nuanced and how respectful it is to those those events. It doesn't feel like they're just using it to score emotional points. It definitely doesn't feel exploitative in the way yeah. that, like, I don't know, I'm not a Game of Thrones person, but, like, some yeah. from from what I've gathered, there is sexual violence in Game of Thrones that does feel like it's supposed to be titillating and uh, exploitative. Yeah. And I've never well, gotten that. Like when I see sexual violence in Utena, I feel gross. Like, and there's also a reason for it to be there. A yeah, very good yeah. reason. It's not just there to make it work i actually think that if you want to convey something meaningful or write something meaningful you do have to be a little bit problematic that's just my i agree and no I matter was... what you do at some point you're going to have to exit what's acceptable as far as your range of experience there's a difference in there's, there's a difference between like doing so cavalierly and doing <laughs> doing so in fear and trembling that like you're you're definitely going to get pushback on them and that is okay and you need to listen to the pushback like those are you know mm. like one of those is definitely better than the other i'm i'm reminded oh, of definitely. Uh, i'm reminded of like one of my favorite probably my favorite game dev christine love had a game oh. Um, known utina fan christine love she is she is actually and um <laughs> one of her, her the last game that she released uh, lady killer and blind like had that exact thing where it is a incredibly messy story the from premise to everything about it that is just a mess and it's problematic and it's aware of how problematic it comments on it a lot and she got some pushback and the thing she got pushback on she probably deserved a little bit of that pushback but like well i mean it, the full title of lady killer in a bind is my twin brother made me cross dress as him and now i have to deal with a geeky stalker and a dom beauty who want me in a bind yes what? which is what? What? i'm i'll read that i'll read that for you again geo the full, <laughs> no, don't worry i've already googled it the full title title of lady killer in a bind is i it's like lady killer in a bind colon my twin brother made me cross dress as him and now i have to deal with a geeky stalker and a dom beauty who want me in a bind i will go ahead and say um ex cathedra here that it's a very good game but it is very but i, I bring it up to say that that's like, kind of what i've heard basically is yeah, very good is but also extremely horny like Sounds like my shit. Thank you. You're welcome. When we make stuff, inevitably we are going to hit raw edges. And that is not in of itself reprehensible. How we touch those raw edges is what makes it reprehensible. Like, it is when we abuse those sore spots and when we turn tragedy into titillation, that is when it becomes irreprehensible. And that's really hard to like grasp because it's they're sore and they're sore spots, ragged edges. Somebody touches a sore, it hurts. And your first reaction is to sock them in the face. And it's a very valid reaction. Maybe it's not the best reaction, but it's understandable. I, I have problems with that a lot, to be honest, Bryce. Um So for all that we dunk on Ikahara for being problematic in various ways, like I will give him this. 
that when he touches on problematic things, he does a hell of a lot better job of most of his peers. Definitely. When I watch Utena and I see certain things that do make me feel disgusting inside, it never felt exploitative in oh, a way that a yeah. lot of other anime that pretends like it's trying to tackle these same topics does. Including Evangelion. Yeah, like, including I, Evangelion. I, 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 let's not. Let's not. But actually, like, the funny thing about Evangelion and something that did attach me to it is actual show. Let's, I mean, never mind the ancillary works and the artwork and all that stuff. I think was actually very sensitive to a lot of these things itself. For the most part, I didn't find the show exploitative of sex. For the most mm. part, when it was, like, sort of exploitative, it was doing it to portray Shinji's exploitative point of view, and yeah. it was portrayed in a negative. Yeah, it is It is kind of only with... It is kind of only with the after the show material. It gets creepy. Yeah. But the actual it, show itself, I thought, did a really good job of a lot of that content. You you get that sort of Ano like Ano going into like not quite a meltdown, but he so getting so caught up and no, and this is supposed to be you that yeah. he ends up sort of becoming. The and I think that definitely happened. And that's and I kind of wonder is like. With both shows, and there's actually notes about this, the the limitations of the medium insofar as what they were allowed to portray, I think, uh, portray spoke to what got put in the shows and what did not. Censorship in, in Japan, especially at the time, was huge. Two genres were held to very different standards, and, like, part of the, what Galleon deconstructs about the mecha genre is... It deconstructs this whole thing where the mecha genre is used to portray copious amounts of violence in a way that they could get away with. Because it's violence of robots against robots, so it's not really violent. So you could, you could put all this punching and kicking and stuff. And Evangelion deconstructs that by making the Ava's actual people or actual humanoid beings so you see them bleed and you see eyeballs and you see all of this stuff and it's basically saying hey you know you wanted to see all this violence and cool shit we're actually going to see the gore as well you wanted violence but you didn't want the fangs that come with it you didn't want the dread and the gruesomeness and the nastiness um thing uh with romance tropes especially where oh you wanted all of this romance and you wanted all of these tropes but you didn't want the fangs that come with it so here's the fangs fuck you but both shows actually were censored for for their content evangelion from what i understand did get sexually edited like they had um using that shot that i was bitching about before where shinji's like scowling at misato and kaji um i don't remember where i saw this interview fuck but there was there was something to the effect of it was hard for them to get that in the show. They didn't. They got a lot of pushback about the foot that was flapping around, implying that there was thrusting. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Utena got away with all of the things it got away with, but what got edited was the sequence in the end where the swords are coming down on Anthe, and it's those shots that are just red in shadow. Sometimes the things that are chosen for censorship in any medium just blow my mind. It is also, it's super telling, too, of what's considered, like, horrifying to these different 
So to an American viewer, both of these shows got away with just a lot of sex for something aimed at a 14 year old. I mean, I mean, look, like it's America. Like if, if 14 year olds are totally okay, Saul, but like they might, if they, they might see a titty and that will ruin their lives. It will ruin everything. Honestly, like that, that whole conversation is, I think the whole rest of the world is on the right side of history there. If something is going to get censored, I do not know why it's sex and not violence. It's the American way, so. Woo! But both series had to contend with a lot of censorship and a lot of pushback for the kind of material that they were trying to vision and aim at children. And I think in some, in a lot of ways, those limitations probably served the overall narratives. It made them more effective. It got more pushback about the sex in Evangelion, and I think that worked out well because it made it much more of a... When it was shown, it was not exploitative, and the way it was used was much more... And you had to, like, kind of dig to find the things about that. Like, when we rewatched Evangelion, um, Sen and I rewatched it about uh, uh, Ritsuko and Gendo. So I was, like, looking for some clear and explicit reference to that, or something that would, like... And it's it's not there. You can... It's there, like subtext you'll find it but it's not there it's not something that they beat you over the head with the only isn't sexual it... relationship so isn't it when ritsuko is with gendo she wears more makeup that what are you looking for she gets more all like these very subtle cues and stuff like that her whole demeanor has... changes yeah uchina has no problem showing lots of sex for for what it is like it's tastefully portrayed for the most part and and very subtle for the most part not really I wouldn't say tasteful so much as Utsuna has discretion about yeah. what you need to Not see. Not so much tasteful as discreet. Yeah, that's a way better way to put it. However, its violence is very... Um, I, I'm very sure that the reason you do not see blood on that show is because they couldn't put it there. Not because they had mm -hmm. some projector doesn't like blood or some shit. No, Toga should have been bleeding all over the fucking floor in episode 9. Though I will say that like, I feel like... It if only because they need to survive because part of the whole Utsuna thing is that Utsuna makes friends with everyone she fights. Mm -hmm. It's it's not so much a fight as a communication. But what when is it, it by violent, diplomacy by other I'll I'll kick your ass to prove I'm better than you. And it's what the Venetians called it. But no, like the the censorship and, and how it's used, I think, in, in both of those shows is is also a pretty good microcosm of the different and the different expectations that were placed on them. Oh, I kind 100%. of wanted like more was placed on Evangelion that way. More of a success was expected from it. More of a success was pushed on it. It, it seems it was like always expected to be fringe. It seems like Evangelion had much more of an expectation to be mainstream, whereas Utena was sort of certain people might like this and will make this happen, but. I would like yeah, to offer much. a single counterpoint because okay. you're right, but there is one counterpoint. Okay. The design of the mech of the Evas themselves, um, as a backstory to this, if you've ever seen um, Nausicaa, you remember the the the, the great the big warrior, the Iron Warrior, whatever it's called. Okay. Ano did that. That was Ano. I do recall that he worked on that movie. Yeah, he had a hand in that. When he designed the Evas, he explicitly, as a fuck you, because he tried to make them as non could. He failed to a degree, but that was a, he had a lot of pushback on his, some of his designs 
because they were not standard, easily made into toys. Oh. And he refused to make them more toys. Eventually, we got better at making the toys, so they were able to do it anyway. But it was initially a thing he had tr- trouble getting them to sign off on. Like, Evan- like Evangelion definitely is... Like, the, the mecha genre is like a, a genre designed to sell you toys, and Evangelion is explicitly trying to make sure you can't buy toys, which backfires, obviously, because it was Evangelion. And eventually they and were able to so like many Evangelion thing. toys. Yeah, like, I mean, eventually they were able to anyway. He did try. <laughs> he did try. And Utsuna does the same thing. Like, like presumptively, it's the magical girl genre. It was marketed that way. It was presented that way. And because Ikuhara had worked on Sailor Moon previously, it was heavily. But it's not. You couldn't sell a million toys. There was the the, the sword and the ring, and that was they he like they deliberately did everything they could to remove themselves from the the marketable aspects of the genre. There's no Akio car figurines. There's no. Thank this God, honestly. Pen. I probably would buy it, Akio. I, I, I thank God, the God that I don't believe in, every day for the fact that we don't have elaborate figure sets of Akio and the car. <laughs> I, I do too, actually. Please, please, Base Ikihara, bring me this for, for, for Festivus. <laughs> I fear the day when Utena gets a figure in which she has anime titties. <laughs> and, and I, I fear the day where there is a figure with Akio titties. Dear Super Eye Patch Wolf, if you're out there, this is there is nothing more gendered here than the marketing. Because what do you sell, Evangelion fans? <clears throat> Body. You pillows? sell them titty figures. <laughs> what do you sell, Utena fans? Fucking purses and body foot assault. Like, thank like, you. Like, I was about to like say tea and, tea and and rings. They did it. They did a template one for for Anthe that kind of had anime. Oh, that one. What? That one. Oh, really produce it. They Do didn't actually have... make it. Then Google foo that. I'm so scared. I don't know if it's anime titties so much as like anime <laughs> waifu crap. Yeah, there you go. Look at oh, that waifu I knew crap. that Sen would come through for me. Thanks. I fucking hate this. Base Sen. <laughs> this is actually okay, I... the worst thing I've ever <laughs> this seen. Is the, this is the lowest fucking resolution. Yeah, this image is so tiny. You don't want, and you don't I'm... want higher rest. You don't want it. I don't. I'm so glad that this does not exist. I'm also what? glad it doesn't exist, though I will say, in a weird way, without any color statuary that I saw. Okay, look. Look, here's the thing. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say oh, that- Oh, Kelsey Preeze. Well, actually- That titties, that, that big titty Anthe is consistent with her character. It is, but that doesn't mean I like it. That way. However- Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. Let's, let's be real. There are no gross men left in the Utena fandom to buy that figure. That's all lesbians that are buying just, the titty figure. Just because <laughs> they aren't in the fandom doesn't mean they couldn't see that figure and want to buy her. Okay, that's fair. But what my point being, Anthe is way more consistently sexualized, like you would do that, that's her, than like Ray. It, yeah. They do that they do a lot. Mommy. They give mommy big anime titties. The funny thing about that Utsuna Figma that I sent sent to the chat was that there are actually people who were upset with it anyway. 
just what? because of how the just because of how um apparently it's very sexual. Let me let me let me grab it actually. Yeah, there are people that are angry at it because it not so much because it's sexual, but because it's so servile looking. And I'm like, uh, you saw the show, right? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. It fits, but it's not necessarily the part of it that I want to. Memorial. stressed yeah see the yeah like the problem with this figure for me is that it does technically make sense within the fiction of the series that this is a thing that could exist but i don't like the possibility that someone could see this divorced of the context of utana and potentially think that that's in any way representative of the series or the characters in that sense i'm kind of glad uh utina was not as successful a work because it didn't have as much room to make mistakes like this whereas like pretty much all of the the content outside of the evangelion television series and like maybe the movie is all like this gross weird totally unrepresentative content it's very strange especially when ray is a mother like she's she's literally mom that's what that's what kills me is like how are you oh boy oh boy like if that's what you're gonna jerk off over i hope you're at least owning what that implies which i don't think they are that's what men want most a mom that they can jerk off to i was about to say like it's 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 it's, it's weebs we weeby guys are the least self-aware people on the earth I mean, <laughs> I mean, if if I ever doubted this, any the kerfuffle about Zombieland Saga would have just sealed it into my mind just how not self. The kerfuffle over what? Zombieland Saga. Oh god. Oh, it's such a Zombieland mess. Saga. Okay, I have heard of this. Yeah. Oh my god, it's such a mess. But the the <laughs> point being, the point being that that weebs are not very self aware. Which to return to Eva is probably why Anno was not able to get the point across as well as he would have liked to. He was hoping that yeah. they would be mildly self-aware at some point. And... I'm not really sure even if it's a flaw in the content. Sometimes maybe like no, maybe like... he did fine and it's just the audience. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like It's less that he failed and more that I, I feel if he failed in any way, it was in would be able to have that self-awareness that a large portion of it did not and which would yeah. explain the almost puerile insistence on the hospital scene as a kind yes. of a if you guys weren't going to listen to me when i was reasonable i'm going to start being unreasonable well he didn't listen to him anyway so it didn't really work yeah out. And it didn't work anyway which is but like that sort of just god like i don't know but also it is very late. Do we have any kind of? Uh, do we have any big things we want to touch on before? I didn't even get into my like pile of hot takes about Akio and Gendo. This feels like it just ended up being a bigger episode than we intended, which is not uncommon when we attempt to sit down with a singular topic. So if Oops. we want to, perhaps <coughs> because this is running a bit long try to wrap this up now and maybe come up with a list of things that we want to try to tackle in a follow-up Evangelion Utena episode, we could probably well, do that. We could do a subsequent um, one where it's where it's focused on character-specific stuff. Sure. I it just uh -huh. meant like 
because there's we, like a wall of stuff that we skipped that we didn't get to there we, about character specific comparisons i think yeah we tackled mm-hmm. a lot of really broad stuff and ultimately i think that this was just maybe a bit ambitious of a topic to try to cover in <laughs> under two hours yeah especially when we have so many opinions about so much of it and we had to restart so there's and we that did too. have to restart no, I yeah, think we should. I think we should do another one where it's where it's character specific comparisons because like there's yeah. like the Akio Geto thing and there's like the Mikage Risco thing and there's the Ray Anthony thing. I would love to reconfigure this recording and do some more specific stuff later because I think we tapped into a lot of good general stuff. There's where's that like line that that oh. Yeah. Shinji rides his mom and Akio rides his sister. Discuss. Oh. That can, that can be a preview for later. <laughs> we can do that later. That, that's a cold opening right there. Yeah, that's the, that can Is be the cold right opening for, that. for later. That, that needs to go to our, that needs to go to our out. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Athi rides Hiberta. I do want to say, if if anyone got this far, love Evangelion. Because <laughs> I feel like we kind of... Yeah, okay, look, we we have dogged on Evangelion, which I feel like is our God-given right to do, but (laughs) we, the the whole reason that we did this episode, or that we even had the idea to do this episode, is that we all love Evangelion, and we also love Utena. You can barely describe one as, like, an anime fan without having to bring up the other in some way. Okay. Okay, so, time to wrap things up. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenacast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can they follow you on Twitter? They can follow me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And if you would like to follow Empty Movement, which is where you can find out what hot takes Geo has <laughs> for you this week, you can do that at at Otori underscore NU, or you can go to otori.nu which is the empty movement website where you can find anywhere that you would possibly need to find empty movement on the internet sen do you have anything that you would like to plug here i know that you're mostly the voice behind the curtain at the empty movement forum but do you have anything else you'd like to plug here i have a tumblr url but do you really want me to say it i don't but you should say it anyway i'm to know just say it. Just say it. Feministarchio.tumblr.com. Hell yes. Thanks. I, I hate it. <laughs> I'm so in beautiful. heaven. Oh, I love it. That's <laughs> raging against the machine. Go free. <laughs> you need to stop. Uh, look, we, we, we literally cannot help being garbage. We cannot help it. You are the, the worst. Fan starter pack is literally a box full of trash. <laughs> Thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We could not do this without you, but the show will always be free to listen to and to download because it will always be somewhere free to download. I'm maybe if, if anything ever happened to SoundCloud, I I I would host the. Aww, thanks. Aww. But otherwise, if you would like to email us about being on the show, which anyone who has emailed me previously, I am keeping track of this. I'm just very 
disorganized and not very good at doing things <laughs> but I am I do plan to get everyone on the show and I do have like a list of people that need to be scheduled nice. but scheduling podcasts is very hard it really is trust me that I want to get to everybody and if you want to come on the show you're free to email me or DM us on Twitter at Utenacast those are the two most reliable ways to get a hold of us and I think that's it revolutionary the world everybody it's very late it's like 1 30 in the morning for me and remember <laughs> auntie did nothing wrong that's not true 